Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Waiting List Podcast. I've been looking forward to doing this episode for a while now because I feel like every time I see you at Watchbox, I am to our guest today i'm always in a rush and i'm kind of just going in doing something and then have to go but we never really sit down to talk so um today our guest is frankie herrera um he is i don't want to define you as this is the only role you have right because i actually knew you better for something else but he is currently the client advisor at watchbox hong kong welcome frankie thanks for having me long long thanks for that intro glad to be Uh, here yeah yeah, and of course, um, we have Dan joining us today. Yo, good to have you here, Frankie. I'm looking yeah. forward to this. Yeah, okay, definitely, so, definitely. So like I said, um, Frankie isn't just a client advisor. Of the many things I find interesting about you, I think the YouTube channel thing would be a good place to start. So you have a channel, Frankie Tech. How many subscribers are you at now? Uh, currently with Frankie Tech, I'm at 200. 34,000 subscribers mm-hmm. um, in terms of like a Hong Kong channel. Cause I'm actually based in Hong Kong. I'm in one of the top five technology channels in Hong Kong. So, I mean, it's pretty crazy how we got there, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a crazy four year journey to get there um, mm-hmm. to that 234 mark. I actually have a lot of questions on this. Like, one, do you get do you get recognized on the streets, especially in like Kowloon TST, like where the electronic stuff is? Yeah, you know it's so funny. I I think most people, if they see me in in the streets, they would yeah. not even for a second think, oh, that's Frankie Tech. You know, that's a tech YouTuber. I might I know my gnome. Um, then they hear my voice. If they hear my voice <laughs> across a room, yeah. it's automatic, and it's actually happened. A couple, quite a few times where I'm just like I was shopping for, for um, some, just some home products store something like that, in TST, and I was just talking to my wife, and then all of a sudden someone's like, "Excuse me, are you a YouTuber? <laughs> you do tech videos? I recognize your voice." That was one time. Another time we were out, we were at uh, Peak Cafe, we were just having drinks, you know, talking, and all of a sudden one guy just walks by me and. Once again, it was just, I, maybe it was my voice. The sound of my voice is pretty distinct. And he was just like, oh my God, are you Frankie Tech? And I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for, the, thanks for the sub. And he just, I mean, I think so. it's really more my voice that, because mm. uh, I do a lot of top-down videos in the sense where kind of like watch finder, you know, talking hands mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. videos. So you don't see my face too often. I'd still do some face-to-face videos. But my voice is, I think, my calling card. And I think is the thing that a lot of people just immediately recognize, even if they hear it on the street somewhere. Okay. So how did you get started, though? Like, how did you even start the first video? Is that a Bark and Jack yeah. mug? Uh, this is a Bark and Jack mug, yes, correct. Um, it did arrive on time. I heard that they had some, you know, shipping issues, but mine arrived in two weeks. Terrific mug. Great for coffee. Yeah, really. I might, I might, I might talk to Adrian and uh, yeah. ask him to send me one. It looks, friend. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it looks kind of good. Yeah. And the best part about it is when I'm done with the coffee, it says, "If you can read this, you need more coffee." 
at the very bottom. <laughs> it sounds like something that Adrian would say, I have to say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I was so going to ask, before you yeah, ask that yeah. question, right, what, um, you're based in Hong Kong, like you said, yeah. Correct, you, yeah. With a name like Herrera, where are you from and how, how, how did you end mm -hmm. up in Hong Kong anyway? That is a long story. And this is kind of a part of my other identity, really, if I could sum it up, is third culture kid, someone who pretty much is not from, when I say I'm from El Salvador, which is that's where I originally am from, my story is actually a bit more complicated than that. I moved here when I was two years old. I was born in the Philippines. So a lot of people think I'm Filipino, but I actually was on a journey like with my parents who were basically working. My dad was working for Citibank for many years and was just one of those classic expats who was living outside of the country where they're originally from. So I moved to Hong Kong when I was two years old, um, lived here in my formative years. I grew up in Jardine's Lookout. I don't know if you know where that is, but <laughs> it's just this random neighborhood in like, up, up from Causeway Bay and went to HKIS, Hong Kong International School, lived the life of an expat. And pretty much that's kind of how we got to Asia. But in a sense, we never left too, because I have a sister who's who's lived here for many years. I ended up marrying a Hong Kong girl and uh, have a daughter who's from here now. So it's just a crazy story to be like someone who whose family is originally from Latin America and who grew up pretty much raised American because I went to American schools my whole life to then end up calling Hong Kong home. But it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Can you speak Kanto? And not being able to speak the local dialect. Sorry. I mean, I can definitely understand quite a bit, but it's one of those things people ask, like you've been here for 20 plus years. <laughs> like, why can't you speak the language? I call it the bubble. It's the bubble, the expat bubble that you live in here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all, all my time growing up until I left to university, yeah. it wasn't really kind of an expectation. People just like, you know, in fact, people mm -hmm. like in school, would be, they'd be in trouble for speaking in Cantonese at each mm -hmm. class. Like they wouldn't mm -hmm. want people talking. They want people mm -hmm. speaking in English. And mm -hmm. so yeah, I think generally mm -hmm. that's why yeah, I never learned it. The, the thing with Hong Kong is mm -hmm. that it's so easy, especially on your if you're on the Hong Kong Island side most of the time, just to get away with English. And there is also that. I think it, you know, it wouldn't be like ridiculous of me to say, but there is a status thing with being able to speak English as well. Like, yeah. uh, on well, just operating <laughs> on the Hong Kong side, dropping English words into Cantonese sentences, and just being able to yeah. speak fluently in English. You, you suddenly people's perception of you somewhat goes a little bit higher, right? Exactly. And plus, everyone here always responds to me in in English. So if I say like, mm. something, you know, and it's like, uh, yeah, no, uh, what, what would you like to eat? Yeah. Like, okay. right. um, but there's been some funny yeah. like moments in the past where like that language barrier does happen. Um, I had this great story when I was in I was going to McDonald's one day and um, basically wanted to order McChicken. But I didn't want to have like the value meal. I just wanted the sandwich. So I went to the lady and I, I basically asked her, like, can I have a McChicken? No meal is what I said. No meal, right? Yeah. And she said, no meal? And I said, yeah, no meal. <laughs> so then I, she gave me the, she kind of looked quizzically at me and then just went back, gave me the sandwich and I left. So I opened the sandwich, I take a bite and I'm like, something's wrong here. Something feels off. I take a second bite and I realize 
she didn't understand me to say no meal. She heard no, no meat. <laughs> so she took the meat out of the McChicken and served me a McLettuce with mayo. <laughs> it was like the nastiest sandwich I've ever had. And realized in that moment, later on, someone was like, don't ever, don't, don't ever say no to something. Just like, you have to say and I would like just a sandwich or something like that. I, I think there's a few things wrong with that story because, like, really, <laughs> what are you getting a McChicken sandwich for? Like, it needs to be a double know. cheeseburger. Like, we all That's know true. it's got to be a double cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, barring those kind of language barrier issues, I guess you can get by speaking just English in Hong Kong. And I think that's kind of one of the beauties of it. It's just like this cosmopolitan yeah. global true. capital. And like, it's just kind of cool to be able to call this place home for so many years. I've been here a long time and and related to the uh, the YouTube channel, it was just a passion for tech. I've always been into phones and technology and all that stuff. And um, I think my friends just got tired of it. One day they told me, you know, you should just do something with this because you're always talking about phones. And so <laughs> one day I, just, I bought a phone from the usual locations in Mong Kong. Sham Shui Po, I think is where I actually started my mm -hmm. channel. And I decided to film a video and uh, it was on this random phone from Xiaomi. Xiaomi is a Chinese phone mm -hmm. maker, and uh, it's pretty pretty good value for for what it is. And it got like you know 400 views, nothing too crazy. But then that evening, I went and filmed another video, and that got like 5,000 views. And then the next day, I filmed again, it got 10,000 views. And it just was like this moment of like, oh my gosh, like this I'm is star. happening. <laughs> and I just started from there, you know. It's um. And now people crazy. recognize your uh, voice. <laughs> You, you should see yeah. it when uh, people recognize Long Long. Like every time she tells yeah. me, I just like fall down in a fit. She thinks I'm being very harsh. Yeah, but <laughs> I just cannot not find that funny. <laughs> like, okay, but <laughs> just, okay, I always tell Dan this. When you say something like, oh, 400 people watched you, you think it's not a big deal. But if you got 400 people to sit in an auditorium to yeah. watch you speak on stage, that's a big deal, right? So to get 400 yeah. people to sit there at home and listen to you, it just seems really random and exactly just to find yeah. a space to fit like thousands of people when we talk about the cues for people getting tested for covid that's literally thousands mm -hmm. of people right mm -hmm. and people listening or watching your videos we just get so used to looking at these numbers these likes we never mm -hmm. actually yeah. see faces we never see people actually spending time watching it right I think the well, crazier yeah. stat, you know, with YouTube and being like a creator is the video views that you've had. So like 234,000 subscribers, but I have 60 million views on YouTube, which means people have spent, they've watched my videos 60 million times. That I, that number doesn't even comprehend. <laughs> yeah. it's like, who would waste their time watching <laughs> my channel 60 million times? That's like the population of, that'd be like, I guess, Germany. I don't know what the population of UK or something like that. If each person watched my video once, that is how many times it's been watched. It's it's like get get a life, man. Like but do something. Um, <laughs> we always have this conversation, right? Yeah. About like, okay, yeah. I guess to but at what point do you feel like, yeah, of course they should watch my video? Like when when are you ever gonna get to that point? You know, it's I think it's definitely like and YouTube channels, they go through a lot of different uh, eras, I kind of say, because sometimes you're growing very quickly. Sometimes you're growing a bit slower. Like I'd say right now, my my growth has been a bit slower because I just have not been outputting as many videos as I used to when I was doing it full time. And I think you can probably recognize this long, long as a personality. You know, when you drop a post, if you stop doing that for a little bit or if you kind of get out of your rhythm, 
then that will kind of, people will start asking, oh, where did she go? Mm. Oh my gosh, like, you know, what happened to you? This kind of thing. Mm. And I used to post probably 30 plus videos per month. I'm mm. down to like nine or 10 now. And that's kind of already a lot for me, but I think there's definitely expectation in your audience, especially mm. when you are, you know, starting to build that bigger audience. And so if you start deviating from that, then people start maybe looking towards other options. And also, you know, certain things are cyclical. So like in the case of watches, what I find fascinating is that, you know, watches and wonders just happened. There was a lot of interest in those releases, but then there are quiet periods too. It's the same with technology, you know, the Apple, the iPhone release is huge, the Samsung release, other big releases, and then other times of the year, it's a bit slower. So you just have to manage that expectation. And just, my own use yeah. of social media has changed dramatically Completely, in the last yeah. two years. Like before, it was really social for me. I was using it to engage, chat, like, yeah, a lot more interaction. And now, it, obviously, I went through different phases, like you say. I can't really see myself going back to that stage of doing that. Like, for me, mm. it's completely like reference. So Frankie, when I'm looking what- for certain pictures of stuff and that's it yeah Wait, were you old enough when we had msm messenger <laughs> yes i guess i'd reveal my age but yes okay. i do remember okay, i remember so, icq as well if you yeah. want to go back okay. yeah yeah don't worry i know icq yeah <laughs> so i was reading this thing yesterday this autobiography and it's so funny i forgot all about this this girl is re- like basically rewriting her diary and then going through what she used to write. And she said back then with MSM Messenger to get a boy's attention, first you have to put all the contacts, all these random people you don't know and you group them. So she had a group called boys. And then to get these boys attention, you have to log off, log on, log off, log on, nonstop. (laughs) (laughs) And I suddenly remembered this. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, do you know what? Now you say, I do remember that because you would come up in the bottom right-hand corner. It would come up and then come down, come up and come down. But after a while, yeah, everybody knew what you were doing. (laughs) Like, and I remember, it wasn't really a time of uh, emojis. So you remember like everybody on their name would actually make the pictures with... um, like brackets like the, yeah, and, yeah. and like and like colons and shit yeah wait just going back yeah, to a little bit about where you grew up because I think at one point we went to maybe at, not at the same time but we went to the same school you went oh, to we UWC uh, right <laughs> yeah so you were in um, Singapore for a bit oh yeah so basically in my journey like when I said I moved to Hong Kong age two I left Hong Kong when I was eight years old and went to SAS Oh, I don't yeah, know if American that's the same school. school. No, no, no. I went yeah, to UWC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, oh, crazy. So we were probably, you know, I don't know if we were at the same time. But like, um, I mean, you think about the two quintessential Asian yeah. cities to like grow up in Hong Kong mm-hmm. and Singapore. And I grew up in both. And, mm. you know, I think that's kind of one of those things as a third culture kid is that like, you know, you have your parents' original like where they're from but when most people ask you like where are you from you it's really a hard question to answer and like and I think for most people because we also have a connection to the states we had a home mm-hmm. in Miami for many years for people mm-hmm. I really don't care about I just am from Miami and it's a lot <laughs> easier so like okay he's Latin he sounds like American and he yeah, yeah. Miami yeah, that worked yeah and yeah. whereas like if I'm saying like well I'm from El Salvador but I was born in yeah. Manila but I lived in Hong Kong and I went to international school and I sound American only because my 
school yeah. was American and my friends were American. Yeah. But I'm from Hong Kong. It's like, who that? Like, what is that? Like, yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot easier to say I'm from Miami. Hey, yeah. I, well, I always ask long on this, but what's yeah. your take on how do you compare the two cities, Frankie, like Singapore and Hong Kong? Like, where do you prefer? Or where did you prefer? It's a fine city, Singapore. It's a fine city. Get it? No, okay. That was terrible. You <laughs> said a shirt back in the day, which said, it's Singapore is a fine city. And then it had all the terrible, like, you know, fines. You would get like no bird feeding, yeah. no flower picking, <laughs> no gum. No yeah. You know, no, no um, durian. Yeah, exactly. But no, look, Singapore is an amazing city. In fact, one of my best friends lives over there. He bought a house now. He bought an apartment. He, he's there permanently. I think for kids, it definitely was a lot of fun. I was there when I was mm -hmm. in fourth grade. And it's just one of those great places. You go to the zoo, you go to like the night safari, mm -hmm. Sentosa Island, like all this great stuff. Um, I think now I definitely, you know, having been in Hong Kong for these past few years and in, in uh, <laughs> lockdowns and COVID and all that, Singapore is looking very appealing right now. Like it's just <laughs> looking like a, a great place to be like, okay, maybe if we wanted to go somewhere, we'd go there. But at the same time, I think it's the same deal that a lot of people say, you know, the energy level, the vibrancy of the city, everything feels a little bit more um, done up, you know, just like, um, it's just, I mean, Hong Kong, there's, it's gone through a lot of changes, obviously, in the, the last couple of years. And whatever you think about that, though, but like, the, the city itself is just so unique in the way it is, like, kind of like New York, where it's like, mm -hmm. people say Singapore, like Boston, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if people have, like, you've heard that comparison, it's like, and Boston's kind of like the sleepier city. It's like the, mm -hmm. sorry about that. Boston's the sleepier town. That's kind of what mm -hmm. Singapore reminds me of. But at the same time, you kind of want to be in that more chill, more sleepy mm -hmm. town sometimes. Hong Kong can be over overwhelming. So I don't let know. What do you guys think? Let's just talk about that a little bit. Because, you know, right now, Hong Kong is experiencing, a, well, from what I'm reading in the media, a brain drain. And there's lots of expats, you know, leaving and, you know, because of the, environment of hong kong right now not being that livable or so-called livable personally i think hong kong's actually very hard to live like long term because of the space but how, what what kind of like things are factoring in your decision process of whether you stay or leave because you're kind of in that kind of bracket right yeah you've no got that's kids a, you've that's got you know and and your and you said your wife is hong kong right so it's different you know yeah. because she has that natural bond with hong kong Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, her whole family's here. So uh, that's kind of a big factor. Family ties, I would say, is the big thing that would maybe keep someone around. But at the same time, you know, I, I'm i kind of like my dad, because my dad, like, when he made the decision to, to go from Latin America or Miami, and they gave him the option, you have two options, Philippines or Chile. And that would have that would have changed our lives completely. Mm -hmm. If I would have been a Chilean dude, that would have been completely crazy. But like, I mean, in the end, he chose the Philippines and that completely changed the trajectory of our lives. Same with here. Like I, I love this place and, you know, it's been an amazing time living here for like the last 10 years again. But to be honest, like, could I see myself going somewhere else and, and living, you know, I don't know, in the UK or, or in the U S or something. No, I you don't want to live totally in the UK. Know. You don't live in the UK. Let me just Wait, put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's, yeah. you know, that's a location. And my sister actually, um, her husband, he's from the UK. Um, mm -hmm. So he's basically, you know, that's kind of home for them. And they've already like planning to make the, the move back there. So um, it really does depend on where the career takes me, <laughs> which is kind of the way that Watchbox, because Watchbox, as you know, is a global 
uh, platform for luxury watches. We have a lot of locations around the world. We have a location in Singapore, mm-hmm. Dubai, um, uh, Philly, Philly. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. Singapore, Dubai, <laughs> Switzerland, and Philadelphia. Um, and you know, it's just amazing because with this kind of company, you definitely could imagine. Okay, maybe at some point I could, I could do something in Dubai or Singapore mm-hmm. or or maybe go to the U.S. So like, it's just very cool to to be a part of a company that gives that opportunity. But at the same time, I also know like Hong Kong is so easy. It's so convenient. There's certain things you have here that you just can't have elsewhere. And, mm-hmm. and I think you would miss those things, right? If you were to leave at some point. I think maybe like because of your experience as a child, and I think we share this, is moving and going somewhere that decision making process because you were grown grown up with it yeah it's easy for you to because you say one of the things that i always feel and you kind of mentioned it is where is home right yeah you kind of see hong kong as home but you have like lots of different attachments to everywhere so you don't really exactly. see anything at home and the next thing was which was really telling is you said where my career takes takes me like that's how i feel i feel like wh- whichever place is good for me yeah that's home i've never had that <clears throat> emotional tie because my family's there or something you know because my my parents you know they moved from hong kong to uh england right the uk that's where i grew up and then yeah. you know i'm now in shanghai it, i've never really cared you know yeah. so i think that's the same with long long right because she's like even more like mixed like of where she you know taiwanese mm-hmm. mom and yeah like singapore yeah. and now in hong kong right no, but that's the, yeah. like, I think the difference between, like, I think really differently about this. Uh, so one, it's the same in the, in the sense that I don't feel very connected to a certain country, right? But I always think, okay, if you have enough money to live well, right, you can actually set up a life easily in any country because you literally go there and you go, okay, nicest house, whatever, right? But the standard of living is just really different. So with the same amount of money in Hong Kong or Singapore, I think I've mentioned this before, like Singapore, you walk out and of course it's really man-made. The trees are all planted and planned, like where the trees are, everything, but there's trees like everywhere. And there's a pathway to walk, to run. And Hong Kong is a bit more rugged. So then you have to think at my current stage, no kids, not married. Um, My career definitely will come first. So I'll just be like, okay, whatever. There's good energy here. I like it here. But long term, do I think it's like healthy for me mentally? I don't think so. I really don't. Think Are you talking so. about Hong Kong? Yeah, Hong Kong. I really don't think <clears throat> so. And I was talking to my friend recently about this. It's like you can curate a kind of life where you don't have to be exposed to all these things like luxury goods and whatever. You can just like go into the mountains. Right. But then how long can you do that for? Like, whereas if you live in, say, mountains in Switzerland, you walk out and your lifestyle is just very different. And I really like that. But this is all yeah. very, yeah, this is all in theory. Yeah, that's, re- yeah. And I think, you know, that's also like, you always talk about Hong Kong, the contrast, like you go to the south side, it's like mountains, you can do all that. And it's great to have that. Like if Hong Kong didn't have that, I don't think people would ever mm-hmm. want to consider being here, right? But at the same time, you know, there is kind of a culture, right? To work here, to just like, you know, the whole fast pace of everything here. Yeah. It's 
it's pretty intense. And, you know, like the space thing, of course, that's like, you think about what you could get in the U S like Mm -hmm. my buddy, I have a buddy in Houston. He's just like, you know, he does decent job, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's got like a 3000 square foot. home. he's like, Oh, we we got a pool now. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. what? You know, like that's insane. (laughs) But like, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a kind of lifestyle that you live here and you, Mm -hmm. you accept it, but you also know, you know, my parents are back in El Salvador and they live in a nice big home overlooking the city and there's like grass and we have trees we have like a home in the, the mountains we have a little coffee farm that we do like our, our organic coffee mm. and you know they live that life if i was over there that's what i'd be living and i'd probably have like an extra seven thousand square feet to kind of roam around in you know like that's <laughs> actual state it's like, but of course it's in el salvador which is like okay is that really where I want to live? It's improved a lot, but it's still, you know, there are challenges yeah. compared to like safety and this kind of thing. So, I mean, yeah, it's a give and take, but at the same time, you know, to be able to have that flexibility, I guess, is mm-hmm. important to decide, okay, one day, yeah, maybe we'll make a move. Maybe I'm kind of done with Hong Kong and maybe you'll go to Switzerland or something. Mm-hmm. Is that where you'd go? I don't know. <laughs> if I, okay, if we could choose a place to live anywhere in the world, uh, that's tough. I really thought about this recently. I really, really thought about it. And I thought, mm, how would it feel to be an Asian in London? Okay, just hi- imagine you had the best of everything, like highest security, good housing, everything. But would you want to live in like London as an Asian London's right pretty now? Good. <clears throat> I mean, London, yeah, I miss London. Seems easy, right? I, I, uh, to be honest, I want to. I'd yeah. love to be in London. I love London. I, I, I do really like London, but I'm not sure. Again, I could go back and live there. You know, I, I think uh, with Hong Kong, you're right. If you if you're there for your career and you enjoy that hustle and bustle, right? Yeah, you can do a few years there. But I don't think once you start thinking of a family, it's not livable. Really, I, I don't believe it is. Like, first of all, the education, um, the facilities, what you would get there and the price of it yeah it's just like the value like what are you getting like the place for sure is getting ridiculous like the prices of of like an apartment there for what you can get elsewhere um you do mention a good point that is so small and you can go on a beach and go into a mountain very very quickly yeah like it's all within your reach yeah um but is that a big enough pull? Hong Kong a few years ago, when every before this COVID period, there's also like a crap ton of people, man, like everywhere. You can't go anywhere. And now everybody's thinking the same thing. Oh, you know, Hong Kong's so stressful. I'm going to go on a walk. You go on a hike and it's like full loads of people, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're dodging yeah. people. If you go, I'm sure when you're going running long, long, you're dodging people, right? Like if you're around. This... Hey, I'm running <laughs> those like, okay, no, I'm just kidding. I was going to say I'm running those yeah. like high level runs. No, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I think about those trail runners who decide I'm going to go yeah. to Dragon's Back on Sunday yeah. at 2 yeah. p.m. Like, good luck because yeah <laughs> i mean exactly. there's some trails in hong kong that are just like how would you even consider them as a trail run now because they are just so packed like maybe mm-hmm. you can go to bone road maybe mm-hmm. you can run around the peak but even mm-hmm. then you're like dodging baby carriages and like yeah. and like strollers and like random people you know so it's yeah it's packed here and obviously people are sick and tired of being you know stuck inside so they want to get out so mm-hmm. i get it 
Okay, I just yeah, want to say you go for the difficult ones. Go for the difficult ones because no. then people have less effort. You know the <laughs> you know the one I went to recently, the one I said called Suicide Cliff, where you're actually holding onto ropes to get down like yeah. a piece of rock. Yeah, oh, wow. I, I was like, why is there? It's just a lot of people. So everyone's just waiting for you, and they're just like go like staring at you to go faster, but you're like, I'm about to wow. die. Like no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me bring it back. Yeah. Go, go for ahead, it, go, go for ahead. it. I want to bring it back no, a bit to, yeah. Violet Hill, the twins, yeah. like Thousand Steps. Those are tough. Some people don't like those because they're a bit mm -hmm. challenging. But uh, yeah, generally, yeah, avoid the easy ones because that's where everyone else is. Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to go back to tech stuff. Um, of all the things that you have reviewed, what are some of the standout stuff that we should probably look at? Yeah, so, you know, I... I think the, you know, I'll preface by saying the majority of like the tech mm -hmm. I've reviewed has generally been, generally been mobile tech. So smartphones, that was kind of what my fascination was ever since the original iPhone was launched, you know, in 2007, you know, Steve Jobs came out and like the iPhone was just this iconic piece of technology. And even early on in my like tech interest, it was always about phones. But of course, you don't just have Apple, you have Android. And it's kind of funny because I use an iPhone on the daily, but I also carry around uh, Android phones. And I have, for example, here, the Galaxy S22 Ultra. I just picked this up yesterday. And this is a great phone. This is a flagship Android phone. And a lot of my channel has been based on covering Android tech because if I covered Apple stuff, it's like one iPhone per year, that's it. See you next year. Mm -hmm. But in the case of Android, there's so many different releases coming out from so many different companies. You have Xiaomi, you have Oppo, mm -hmm. Samsung, you have even Google is now releasing their own phones. Um, there's tablets, there's like, you know, laptops. I do mostly phones and that's kind of what I've covered. But uh, generally speaking, I would say Smartphones have plateaued for sure. And this is kind of the year I'd say, mm -hmm. if you had a phone from maybe two, three years ago, you're not really going to tell that much of a difference between mm -hmm. this latest version mm -hmm. right here. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if you had like an S20 or, you know, something from two years back. And I think in a way, that's kind of why I got interested in watches because I was covering tech so much. And yes, it's still, you know, the main focus of Frankie Tech, my main channel. But at the same time, you know, things do get a bit stale. And I feel like the phone market is kind of going through one of those periods where, you know, do you really need to upgrade your, your iPhone every single year? Like, do you really need to do that? I don't know if you really do at this point. Back in the day with iPhone 3G, 3GS, 4, 4S, those days were the same because they were like new improvements every year that were like legit, like FaceTime. Imagine they added FaceTime front cameras for the first time ever mm -hmm. on a phone. That's a big update. You know what I mean? And so I'd say there's still great tech out there. Like I would totally recommend this phone, the S22 Ultra, any of Google's Pixel phones. They're amazing. And of course, the iPhone 13 Pro Max. That's my main daily phone that I use. I film a lot of my channel actually with this phone because the cameras are just amazing. So those would be my recommendations. But at the same time, uh, things have gone a bit stale, I'd say, over the past. Yeah, I'm using an iPhone 10, right? But I will, I will, I will be getting, I will be getting the iPhone 14 this year, like because I don't know, the battery's a bit shit, and like I've, I fucked up the camera and, and shit like that. Like, so I do need a new <laughs> phone, like, but I'm definitely gonna get the iPhone 14. Yeah. Are you not? Yeah, gonna but get I was gonna ask, what, what, why, you, why did you even start? Like, I know you said like you were talking about this, like 
talking about phones a lot. So you did the YouTube channel, but what is it to you now? Because you, you said you did X amount of videos and now you've come down to videos. Like, what do you get out of the, uh, channel is it just like so somebody can hear you talk about phones or what is the motivation behind it it's super interesting because if you had asked me this like a year back my interest in tech was like my only interest and this is kind of where watches come into it because uh, a year ago I didn't care about watches and so Mm -hmm. I was all into tech I was like reading all the you know tech blogs I was like I'm on Twitter you know so I'm always talking engaging with the audience there and with tech, it's like there's new phone releases every week. You can you can just be sure of it. Like there's going to be some phone in China from Xiaomi, Vivo, Oppo, uh, you know, OnePlus, these companies mm. that are released. And so there's always something looking forward to. But at the same time, um, you know, at least for me now with the watch interest, it's kind of made, you know, created this situation for me where I'm like, I love tech and I still want to engage with my tech audience, but at the same time, I'm super into watches now. So what did I do? I created a second channel actually. And I have a Frankie watch channel, very small, only 820 subscribers, but um, it's kind of my venue to be able to share my passion for watches. And, you know, I'm not saying that the tech is done, done with tech or anything like that. Cause I'm, you know, I work with companies. I'm an ambassador with Oppo at the moment. They send me, they send me their latest flagship to review. So like, I still am very much in, interconnected with like the whole tech side of things. And, you know, when a new iPhone's released, I'll buy it. I'll review it. You know, there's certain things I will just do, but at the same time, yeah, it's kind of hard to keep that interest going, especially when you get another interest as crazy as watches that I've been into for the past year. It's funny how you talk about phones and they're basically what you're saying is that there's incremental uh, improvements on the hardware. So you feel like it's plateaued because nothing really is making it worth it to get the next phone. But, you know, you do watches and things haven't changed for the last hundred years. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You know, (laughs) there is some irony in the fact that like, I'm like, okay, this CPO, they only upgraded like, like they only did one upgrade or like, oh, the camera's like only slightly better. Okay, well, let's go to this movement that Rolex has been using for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, they've like, only changed like the <laughs> Niverox hairspring like or something <laughs> like that, right? Like that's the, the Paracom hairspring or something. That's the only Paracom, thing yeah. they've done, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, so they've changed like, the bezel to ceramic, yeah. Oh, they've, they've <laughs> on the latest Destro, they've put the crown on the other side. <laughs> And no, it's just so funny because, yeah, you would think I would want to be into a, an even more cutting edge thing. And yet I ended up going for something that you could argue is, is even more, not sta- you can say stale. Some people might even say the watch industry is stale. But for me, it was such a refreshing change mm-hmm. of pace where it was like more about the design. And I actually studied architecture in school. I'm a, I went to uh, University of Notre Dame in the US and I did architecture, five-year program. And so design has always been a part of my interest. And there's a little bit more to that in, in watches, I guess, just like when you talk about uh, colors, you talk about like design, dial design, all this kind of stuff. And it's just a different range of interest for me than just, yes, movements are important, but like, it's not everything. Right. So, and a lot of people also get into watches for, for the, there's the investment side, there's the, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to buy something that enjoy something that goes up 200%, you know, it happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So how did you get into watches though? Like from that? being so immersed in tech yeah so that's kind of the other kind of the second half and where watchbox comes into and all this is 
um, last May, I basically was just kind of perusing the latest online auction for Bonhams. And the crazy thing is that um, there's been watches surrounding my life. My entire life has always revolved around them, but I've never personally been into them. Uh, my dad used to be CEO of Ball Watch back in the 90s um, for US. And so we always had ball watches. I have a bunch of old ball watches from like the 90s that I just have in a box here. Um, and my sister got into the watch industry. She became a specialist at Sotheby's. And then she met my brother-in-law who's, um, he's actually one of the top, uh, he was one of the top uh, auctioneers at Christie's and Sotheby's and they've always been in that auction world. So I went, I went to auctions even like in 2015, 2018, like, I bought a Patek Philippe pocket watch and remember in 2018 for the first time, but it wasn't really like an interest. And so for some reason in May of last year, I was looking through some of the, some of the, the, the next auction that was coming up and I don't know where it was, but I saw this photo of these Rolex OPs. And this is the honestly God truth because I, I, I saw the photo and like all these colors, and I was like, Oh my God. Like, what the heck is this? Like, these look amazing. But most importantly, green is my favorite color. And yes, there's other great colors of the OP. I'm wearing the Oyster Perpetual 41 millimeter in green. And when I saw that watch, it just like triggered something. I don't know what, but I just, I said, I have to learn more about this. So like, I just did a little bit of research. I started watching a video or two. And then I think I watched this documentary like about Hans Wilsdorf. And I was just like, yeah. oh my God. Like, they made like the oyster case. They created the automatic winding movement. So like immediately just like went down the rabbit hole within like three days. I just binged probably like hundreds, like hundreds of hours of watch content reading like Hodinkee. I discovered Hodinkee. It was like, it was like incredible. Like, oh my God, like this is so amazing. Yeah. And so I literally just went to my brother-in-law who he does this for a living. He was actually the, the auctioneer guy at the, <clears throat> for the Henry Graves super complication when that watch was sold at auction. And I remember him like sharing the video. Like, yeah, this is me like, you know, at the auction, I was like, oh, that's cool. That's pretty neat, you know? It's like no big deal, but it's like one of the most important, you know, watch auctions of all time. And this is my brother-in-law we're talking about. And it's just like, so I just went to him one day and I was like, look, I'm really into watches all of a sudden. I purchased my first luxury watch was a Tudor Black Bay GMT. And I just showed it to him. I was like so excited and everything. And so then he, you know, I got to thank him, Tim, thank you, Tim, who made the connection because it just so happened at the time that um, he had a friend who was working, working at this company called Watchbox and they had a vacancy. They had an opening for a, what was a trader mm -hmm. kind of client advisor role mm -hmm. um, in the company. So just, it was so serendipitous. It just happened to be that, that, that week that happened. And he was like, well, you know, like I, I have this friend uh, who, you know, they have this vacancy, maybe we should talk or something. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I know, I literally had like no idea what it was about. I'd been into watches for about a week. <laughs> and I, you know, just like, it all happened so fast. And within like a couple months time, I'm now a watch box. And now I'm like, dealing with like, time pieces, learning all about it. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those rare moments in life where your passion, and your mm -hmm. career, like line up, it would mm -hmm. be like, as when I started getting into tech, all of a sudden, you know, Apple knocked on the door and said, hey, would you like to come work and design mm -hmm. like phones with us? Like, I would have been like, yeah, sure. That's kind of what happened with watches with me. And I mean, I just got even more into it now since then because it's, I mean, it's, it's a rabbit hole, man.
I, I love it. Yeah. I love it how uh, when you first get into watches, right? And suddenly a Submariner design case, like the case and the 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 dial, the, the actual watch itself suddenly makes sense to you. You know? Yes. Like what is this? Why is this bracelet suddenly get bigger? Like you never know, mm-hmm. right? But then you think, oh, okay. Why is it black? And you know, why has it got loom? Why what is this? Why is the bezel only going one direction? You know, like suddenly I love how it just suddenly internet. Oh, that's why, right? And then you think like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and it was like, yeah. Now I wanted to say, I think this is the thing that I found really fascinating about you. Like watches was always somewhere in your life, but it kind of went like full circle. So finally you were like the last person in the whole family to be like, oh, okay. Like now I'm starting, but all this was happening around you and it was like slowly building up. Yeah. Yeah, I find it funny as yeah. well, where you say like, yeah, I got a packet, po- uh, Patek pocket watch, yeah. right? And that wasn't enough to get you into watches, but uh, <laughs> like a colored OP, yeah, like ignited you. <laughs> like what? what? <laughs> like it's how so is that? that? And it's so funny because I mean, I've been around watches for, like I said, my whole life. I was given like my, a ball watch when I was like 14, it's like an automatic movement. And I was always kind of into them, like I said, but it was never just like something that clicked. It was just, you know, they were cool. I'd be like, okay, great. I have my graduation watch. This is beautiful Juvenia sextant. It's got like the protractor uh, ruler kind of on the, on the mm-hmm. dial. I actually got it right here. And, <laughs> you know, this was my graduation watch from high school. And I was just like, you know, it's like one of, uh, it's a limited edition, number 16 mm-hmm. gold. It's like one of the old cool watches. I have. And I was just like, great. I'll wear it. I'd enjoy it. It's like, but it never made me go down the rabbit hole. So yeah, it's so fitting that like, the most hyped and completely overrated release probably the last couple of years, which was the colored OPs, um, was the one to do it. And so when I finally picked this up in August of last year, I joined Watchbox already, but like, it was crazy to think, okay, I'm gonna spend, you know, at that time was like a little over double of the retail. This is like a 46,000 Hong Kong dollar watch. I bought it for around like 78, mm-hmm. thinking I'm insane. Like, this is crazy. Like, what am I doing? to be able to spend that much on mm. one product just like blew my mind i could mm. not fathom yeah. it mm-hmm. and yeah. now it's like oh yeah it's cool like i it's like you rationalize things yeah. differently what would have been an expensive tech product before yeah. it's like that's cheap compared to like a watch but then at the same time this watch has done pretty well in the past six months and so th- th- there's that side of it it's 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 really crazy mm. Yeah, um, I think I wanna, we all have that moment yeah. where like a watch like gets past a certain price point. You think what? Like that, that yeah. the first time you look at it, why? What? Because it doesn't really, yeah. there's nothing in a man's accessory, like line, even, yeah, and clothing that even comes close to that kind of bracket. I mean, you could say a car, but at least there's a necessity, you could justify a necessity for a car, right? That functional necessity. Exactly. And, there's more, and there's more to it, right? Because like a car is like, okay, that's like $300,000, right? But like, look at all that metal. Look at that leather. Look at that fine <laughs> Italian leather. Look at that dash, man. Someone was like, you know, polishing that dash. There's a computer. There's like a big display in this thing. Like you can drive it, you know, it weighs a ton. Like you're getting quite a bit of volume, for, you know, of something, you know, when you buy a car. And yet at the same time, cars depreciate, right? And it's like, oh my God, I spend like a half a, half a million dollars, US dollars on a car. It'll like be depreciated in 10 years is going to be worth nothing whereas like a watch it's just like this crazy thing it's so small and yet 
you know, this is really where like the whole market has just gone nuts on is, is this idea that they're so transferable. They're so easy to collect for Hong Kong. It's like, like for a Hong Kong based collector, it is the ultimate thing. Cause like you literally can have a room full of these and no one needs to know about it. And it's funny because we do have collectors who have amazing collections of Jorns and I've seen all these amazing watches, but you would never know it because, you know, they're just watches. They all fit in a little box like that. And whereas cars like take up space, right? So it's insane. Where, where are you now? Like you, you, you obviously went through that binge of like six months ago, getting your first watch and then like binging loads of watch content, learning about the stories. I guess that then translates to the history of brands and the history of pieces. But where sure. does your interest now, because there's so many, you're talking about the money side, the investment side, which piques your interest right now? That's a great, great question. Um, I would say, you know, just from the the watch journey, of course, getting into like Rolex, all the kind of the, the you know, Tudor as a, as kind of one of the more affordable brands. Um, but I'd say my tastes are definitely changing already. Like I'm still probably in the diver, you know, getting into like, subs and this kind of thing i'm still a rolex fanboy for sure i love what they do but at the same time i'm seeing these other timepieces and obviously one of our strengths at watchbox is that we're really into the independence mm -hmm. and you know just getting more into the history of these independents the players within that that very small space it's i think probably going to be the next phase of my interest so like you're looking at you know fp jorn or you're looking at debetun you're looking at um you know, Moser, you're looking at uh, Vutalainen, you know, you're looking at uh, Gronfeld, like all of these little guys, all these like small guys that no one cared about for years, right? Mm -hmm. Like no one cared about Jorn. In fact, like I talked to my brother-in-law, Tim, he's like, yeah, I've met Jorn. I met Francois Paul like numerous times. Like he was like, he was just some guy just walking around before. Like these guys are now like rock stars of the watch world. And it's just so fitting that like I'm working with a company, Watchbox, where we we kind of, I guess they saw that coming or they were into that before a lot of people mm -hmm. were into that. And so I think, yeah, I, mean, I can't say that I'm going to be affording a Jorn anytime soon, but but it's one of those watch brands where I haven't even gone there yet. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of exciting to know that there are brands, that there are, you know, just companies, histories that you you can get into that you haven't even gotten into yet. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably going to be the the future for me. But for now, I'm still in my... Rolex, you know, AP, my mm -hmm. tutors, like I, I really like this ProPilot X that was just launched mm -hmm. um, by Oris mm -hmm. at Watches and Wonders. I put in like an order for that. Um, I'm still, yeah, I'm kind of just getting into it. I I, I believe that, um, I can't confirm this, but roughly we interviewed someone called Zoe who used to work at Watchbox and then she left. So my theory is like you were the, you took Zoe's um, spot, right? And when we interviewed Zoe, we had asked her, obviously not to name people, but if there were any funny and like just incidents and stuff that happened with like customers, do you have anything funny to share? I mean, in terms of like, so my role specifically, I'm a client advisor. So I actually help people with their watch buying decisions. So like, I'm actually you know, buying watches from people if they want to like sell them off um, to then, you know, being able to to sell watches to be able if they're interested in them. Um, kind of early on in my career, obviously. So I, you know, I've definitely done a bit of both already though, but probably one of the craziest 
situations I've had so far is dealing with like fakes. And mm -hmm. it does happen because, you know, we, fu we fully authenticate all the watches that we mm -hmm. buy, you know, as watch box. But there are just some people who really do think that it's like even someone with as limited experience as I will be able to not be able to tell the difference between like a fake Rolex and a mm -hmm. real one. And there's just some out there that are just so hilariously bad that you like I, I think the first couple of months I started like having this uh -huh. almost like being proud of being able to be like, yeah, that's fake. That's totally fake. Or like, you know, the dial just like the, the Rolex is like twice as big or like, you know, the lugs are like curved or like, you know, there's like a fake spring bar. You're just like, that's, that's fake. Like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you know, I remember I like, I was um, buying this AP it was actually an AP Safari offshore. Ah, and it was yeah. from this guy. Um, I'm not going to name names, obviously anything, mm -hmm. but like they wanted to sell the watch to me and there was no box. The watch something looked off with the watch and most of us in the team we were all like taking bets like it's gonna be fake mm -hmm. it's like oh no it's like, some of us said it was real like but then some of us said it was fake so we actually delivered the watch was delivered from the location i think it was like in indonesia somewhere but mm -hmm. it was delivered to our boutique and we were taking a look at it and when the watch finally arrived we could not actually tell like because it was so it looked so real, but it could also be a fake because there was no documentation. There was something mm -hmm. weird about the movement as if the movement had been opened up or something. Mm -hmm. And it was just insane. So like finally, eventually, you know, we had our, our team look at it, our watchmakers and everything, mm -hmm. and they determined it was real. And like 90% mo like of us were like, we were certain that it was fake. It had to be fake. And this watch was real. And it was like, wow, well, you look at that. Now it's gotten a complete overhaul and everything. Mm -hmm. But it's just one of those, crazy things because you know watches go on crazy journeys and mm -hmm. apparently this guy he had bought a bumblebee mm -hmm. ap you know what that is right yeah, but he yeah. he was stolen but then he had the box for the bumblebee but not for the safari <laughs> so he sent the box for the safari, but he also had the 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 manual for the bumblebee but we bought i don't know it was just a weird thing and I guess like dealing with fakes is one of those things I've I've found pretty hilarious, pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. um, dealing with just some people like, and there are the realities of valuations. You know, when we offer a quote on a watch, sometimes what we call the deltas, the this price separation mm -hmm. between what people want and what they don't. And I think when people see like, okay, they bought a watch with a lot of jewelry on it, iced mm -hmm. out, you might think from the perspective of like the person who bought it, this is going to be mega bucks. And so the girls. <laughs> I want 78,000 US dollars yeah. for this watch. This is my price yeah. expectation. And I had to go back to him and, you know, we, we talked with um, Mike Manjos is our, one of our top guys and he mm -hmm. does a lot of the, the trading, you know, um, for, for uh, Watchbox. And I had to share the quote that I, that I got, which was, yeah, we'll give you 4,000 US dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, and the reality is people think, sometimes because of the watch itself, because it has all this jewelry on it, because it has all these diamonds, mm -hmm. that it will be intrinsically worth so much more. Mm -hmm. And yet you have to break the news to them that it really isn't. And unfortunately, yeah, they didn't move forward, of course, with that mm -hmm. transaction. But yeah, sometimes having to explain to people that their watches are not what they think they, they cost <laughs> is also do you find Do you find that, um, you know, when you, when you say that to somebody's watch, it's like you insulted their child. Right? And do, do, do they ever get like abusive? I'd say, oh what the gosh, fuck, Frankie? Um, like, come on, man. Like, are you blind? Okay. Yeah, look, it's a beauty. Like, 
Okay, I, I definitely had one incident, which was pretty bad. Like, luckily, it was not all by phone. Mm -hmm. But um, it was just this guy. And I love you guys. If you're from Australia, yeah. I'm not trying to say anything bad about Australians. But some Australian dudes, they get really upset. And this guy was furious. So he, first of all, he was like, he asked for the quote. He was upset that it took more than 24 hours. And we pretty quick mm -hmm. turnaround with that. Which watch was but that? He was just like, I think it was like an maybe like an IWC or a brigade, something that, you know, it's yeah. probably maybe something forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> well, something that like, let's say wouldn't hold its value as well mm -hmm. as let's say a Rolex, something like that. Yeah. Right. But I offered him the quote and he was just like, like, this is a, like, and you can believe this out. Like, this is a fucking outrage. Like who the fuck do you think you are? Like, you know, you're a piece of like, you, you piece of crap. Like he said all this in the email. And, you know, we always yeah. have, obviously have to just deal with it. So yeah, I said, like, apologies if, you know, if the, the price wasn't, the quote wasn't, you know, to your, you know, uh, acceptable to you, but, you know, due to market condition, well, you know, we have an explanation. It's, it was the truth. But he was just so angry. And I think the last thing he said was, like, you know, piss off, like, fuck you. And, and it was, like, it, I mean, it was just like, and it was like he wanted to have the last word. So he just kept emailing and he just kept emailing back saying like f off like you you i won't even <laughs> but, say the, yeah. the things he said hey but and i was just of, like yeah what the hell is wrong with you man like i but we have to be positive and stay yeah. positive because we're not gonna get enough fighting match but are you that allowed to brutal. stop replying like as a company policy do you guys always have to send the last email to be like thank you <laughs> i mean you know like any kind of good white glove service yeah. you know approach you would want to be like i'm sorry this wasn't to your yeah. liking if you have any other watch related requests please you know reach out again fuck off that was the last fuck thing off. wrote back oh, okay, in okay, response okay, to my okay. please reach out to us again i didn't say that but like yeah what i mean is like you just have to deal with that and like mm -hmm. i think when you tell someone their watch isn't really kind of worth what they might think yeah. and especially in this market where things mm -hmm. are just going crazy and like people have expectations, right, of what the valuation on a watch is. And of course, we, you know, doing the buying side of it, we mm -hmm. we have to to sometimes not meet those expectations. Just, we can't chase like every single watch in that case. And and in that case, that guy was really not happy about that. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, I want to go, um, well, go back a bit to watches. And I just want to ask, since you're so into green color and green dials, um, if you had to choose maybe two watches from Watches and Wonders, because there's a lot oh, of wow. releases or green dials. Yeah. From Watches and Wonders. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, it's got to be that Moser. There was that new Moser with the Fume yeah. green dial. That thing was, yeah, the it was like before the show, mm -hmm. but that thing was looks amazing yeah i don't know where like maybe that should be my thing i should just call myself like the green dial collector or something like that because like like i'm just really into green anything that's like mm -hmm. green like my grail watch is the 116508 the, the john mayer daytona right because mm -hmm. it's just like it's a green dial and i don't know maybe that's just my thing but i don't know what are the other green dial releases i'm, I'm trying to i'm blanking um, 5270 yeah the, the patek, patek. Oh, okay there you go. they also have the well time in green yeah yeah, that, that's a beautiful watch. I actually, you know, funny enough, my favorite release from Watches and Wonders for Paddock is the 5172, that salmon dial. Oh. Um, I think it's like a chronograph, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. but the point that's is, nice. like, I'm kind of getting into salmon now as well, like, because yeah. I just ordered this, like, Oris Pro Pilot, the salmon mm -hmm. color version. And that's a color that I think I could definitely rock, like, get into, 
into this next so part of the year. So you're the salmon collector now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They probably still green. Like I'm looking at some of the watches here. I have. But yeah, like, but I'm when like, I hear you say this. that, I'm like, yeah. duh! Like everybody can rock salmon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you'll be surprised. I mean, some of the salmon colors are off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people said that this Pro Pilot X is more mm -hmm. of a pink or like a peach. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly a salmon. Mm -hmm. I might have to like go to the ore store and like check it out or something. But it's just a cool looking watch. I think it looks mm -hmm. amazing. Caliber 400. You know, five day power reserve, ten year warranty. I mean, it's like got some great stuff to it. But at the same time, you know, I would say the release that I enjoyed the most or that I'm so excited to pick up, which I'm sure will be very polarizing, is the new Air King. Uh, oh, okay. I don't know what it is about Air King that it's I like. It's got green on it. People, <laughs> yeah, there is some green on it. It's true. Yeah. But for some reason, most of my colleagues think it's the ugliest watch really? of all time. Like It is. Well, because I think there's something about the dial of Air King that is very polarizing to people. Um, the the fives, there's too many mm -hmm. fives. I've heard mm -hmm. people complain about the the older one, obviously being a little bit, you know, chunky, mm -hmm. um, based on a not an airplane, but an actual uh, sp like a land speed record vehicle that failed. Mm -hmm. So like, there's just history to the Air King that a lot of people don't like or appreciate it. When I saw that release with a new can it, can it, in the new Submariner case yeah. and a thinner watch. They put the zero next to the five in 05. Um, new 3230 movement, 70 hour power reserve. For me, like that's a slam dunk. I absolutely mm -hmm. am so excited to pick up that watch. And I don't know. What Will do you, you guys be think able to, though? Do you think you'll be able to pick know. it from? That's yeah, it's Frankie Tech. <laughs> of course you can. Do you ever I think about leveraging you? that? I'm Frankie Tech and I have, uh, what, what, what's your what so. channel I called? Mean, I'm liking it. I like and retweet everything Rolex posts on Twitter. <laughs> I don't think All they right, follow Twitter as much. Yeah. as like, you know, Twitter is kind of like the tech person's social network. While like, I know all of you guys are, you're more Instagram. Instagram is like where it's at for watch collectors. And so I've been trying to like, trying to adjust my habits because I'm on Twitter most of the time, but I know that's not where watch, watch fam is. Watch fam is always on Instagram. So, um, but who knows, maybe if I can pick it up, that would be my my favorite release of Watches and Wonders, even though it is not everyone's cup of tea. I know that people. Don't How about you, it. Long? Actually, uh, since we're on the topic, from Rolex, there's tons of like, I mean, the Stella dial ones, you know, with the green. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, just uh... okay. So I went to Paddock um, last week. Yeah, it was last week. So I have two questions, but okay. First, I went to Paddock and I put in. Well, I put in an order. Obviously, there's no order, right? It's just like <laughs> yes, okay. I, I understand your interest. In your interest. Yeah, I asked for the the world time this year, the female one, right, with the diamonds. It's green, and I just think it's pretty. Yeah. Like just, just purely because it's pretty. Nothing about it's like very special. It's just that okay. It's a very pretty shade of green. So I was like, okay. I know they're going to say no anyways, but whatever. But my, yeah, that and actually all the Rolexes this year, I would take any like gladly over the rest. So if you I wear could, the left-handed yeah. Destro? No, 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 maybe not that one. Aside from that one, all the <laughs> other ones, the the sub uh, and yeah, I would take the Rolexes over the paddocks even this year. I, I would take, yeah. if I was to take one watch, I'd, I have to take uh, the 222. But as Long Long oh. said it, before, it's expensive, like yeah. for 
for for guess what it is and if yeah. i if you really ask me i would prefer that in steel yeah but i'm sure they're going to release that in steel um i think that's a a great like i think that's got great potential in steel to be potentially the, you know, the next uh hype sports watch agree just because you've got the brand which has always been highly regarded the sports mm-hmm. watch design itself the reason why they brought it back is because it's good man it's a good mm-hmm. design it's super sleek so um you know people's arguments with uh, lange odysseus you know they don't mm-hmm. apply because it's so thin and then it's also got that heritage behind it you know that history behind it so if they play their cards right they could really hype that piece up what yeah, and i think yeah. i think the jlc at the time with the two two with two 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 right jlc that movement was part of vacheron or something like that i read something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. so actually that's more in-house and more than because they were all using the same movement yeah the two 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 the one five two oh two and the uh, nautilus right mm-hmm. so but actually the most in-house one is the vacheron Okay, so what I actually want to know is when you walk into a store, I'm struggling because I'm not even sure what to say to the people. I don't mind. I, I don't need them to because I'm just trying to figure out what how do you actually tell them I'm interested and I would like to put in an order. The conversation so far has been really, really awkward for me. You walk in, so they're following you and they'll say to you, um, what would you like to see? So first is to like two kind of scenarios one there's no watch so you're like no it's okay right so you leave the other one is uh, the offer display so you're like okay I would like to try this so they're really nice and they'll be like okay please sit here and then you try the watches after you try it you kind of talk about it and you're like whoa it's it's a lot nicer than I thought blah 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 blah. and then you say okay so how do I put in an order for this and then it's just silent and then they're like, can I, um, why don't, oh, instead of being like, oh, can I get your name or whatever? It's now the other way around for me. Here's my name card. Wow. Yeah, because I think if you really are interested, you will message them, right? But they're generally like, why don't yeah. you uh, WhatsApp me your name card? That's- I think it's because they want to check out your background, like, don't they? They want to check that. They, yeah. they want a specific client and they want to have that justification with a name card. Oh, this is so and so because so they, when they pitch their 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 proposal to the brand, whoever makes that decision, it's all part of that uh, information. But I'm just wondering, like, because yeah. when you walk past the store, you can see people are sitting inside having conversations, right? Like every time I walk past AP, I see some customers yeah. sitting there. But yeah. I just want to know what are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah, but can you remember? Can you remember? Right? I think the clear way is go in and yeah. be like an Angus and say look you know i know you don't want like for selling these watches but i want to know about your brand teach me about your brand i'm really no i did that but i mean you can also do creepy thing just start showing up every day and just be like hi and just show up every single day and then they're gonna be like okay we need to do something with this lady or yeah or Or you can use your charm, Lang Lang. I'm sure you've got buckets full of it no because i because they started to just avoid eye contact with me like I'm actually sitting, <laughs> no, I'm sitting opposite the guy and I'm like, look, I want to help you out. And I know there's a long list and I respect that there's a list and I don't want to give you a hard time. And I know you have to write this report, blah, blah, blah. And then he just stopped looking at me. So I was like, okay, it's time for me to leave. <laughs> and to be honest, this is yeah. my shameless plug for Watchbox yeah. because you no, don't exactly. have to deal 
with this kind of thing. When you come into our boutique, you're like, hi, how you doing? Like in normal times, exactly. would you like some coffee? Would you like some water? Take a seat. Let's just talk about watches yeah. and just tell me what you like. I tell you, that really is what has probably yeah. made um, companies like ours and, you know, this whole kind of gray yeah. market are like, we talk about it like our, you know, the pre-owned mm -hmm. business. So good. So, mm -hmm. so effective in, in, you know, getting okay. clients and building a community because of the AD experience and like this guy giving you the side eye or the weird, you know, like giving mm -hmm. you weird looks. Mm -hmm. You just want to ask about the watch. Like, well, we might, we don't have that one, but like, yeah. you know, we're not going to make you feel weird about it. So I think that's yeah. where. Do you think, um, yeah. you know, watch companies and brands, have kind of uh how can i say like forgotten that at the end of the day the client just wants to go in and get a watch and they focused a lot on that experience yeah and that feeling of luxury when actually yeah i just want to get a watch and then they've made it very convoluted and very unclear on what like obviously long long you, you know she's an experienced yeah watch lover and yeah, buyer and yet she has trouble thinking what the hell am I supposed to do what does like the average guy who even has a problem getting through the front door because can you remember I don't know if you remember those days like before you're into watches you know these things are very expensive you're standing outside looking at the watches in the in the glass right and you think shall I go in or not I mean I remember I remember I felt like that and then you know you had the, in London especially on Bond Street New Bond Street there's this big bouncer on the door and you almost thought like, do I even bother him so that he can open the door? You know, um, no, maybe it's, it's the so brands true. have gone away from that and maybe they've forgotten, you know, like so been so trying to make this, oh, this image out mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I just want to get a watch, man. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, you think about it, like, and from the perspective of obviously, like, with watchdogs, we have not just one brand, right? We have mm -hmm. a bunch of different, mm -hmm. different brands that you can, tr like, just try on immediately. Like, you could literally mm -hmm. walk into a yeah. and try on yeah. a Jorn, an AP, like, Jumbo 15202. Uh, you can try on, like, a whatever Rolex we have. Like, you can try on three different brands in, like, yeah. the span of, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. And whereas, like, you go into Paddock and it's like, what is the truly the experience like? In AP, I don't do they even have watches at AP? <laughs> the, the AP don't even think they're real, right? They're just, I mean, they're dummy models and stuff, but like the experience is just so like lacking. So yeah, I think that's why we're seeing a lot of surge of just and it's not just us, obviously, there's other players yeah. in the market, but like this type of of approach where it's like more about, you know, come in, come and join the community, come and have a look, and mm -hmm. it's welcoming, it's inviting, mm -hmm. different brands represented. We can even buy the watch, you know, we can you know, if there's watch, a watch of interest here, if there's not something that's here, you know, it's on our platform and take a look on the website and just send me a WhatsApp. Yeah. Just be in touch yeah. that way. It's just a lot easier. You know what I mean? And I think that's why the pre-owned side of the market is is booming right now mm -hmm. because I've, of that experience. Yeah. yeah that's a very good point me, you make. Yeah, yeah. Like a year About ago. Having like, yeah, sorry. You know, yeah. like I'm super against paying premium for something but then if you had asked me a year ago would I plug watchbox I would never plug watchbox but literally in the last like few months all I ever say when I walk out of shop is oh it's fine I'll just go to watchbox <laughs> like I don't even get angry anymore <laughs> I, I'm just like okay just be calm and just face the fact that it, it's like shopping at city super you know it's more expensive than I don't know like welcome but you're just like okay I know what I'm getting so I'm just gonna go to city super and enjoy myself 
So I'm yeah, super I think, I think, I think it's a good point you yeah. make, Frankie, that uh, when you go to a boutique in Hong Kong, you're kind of relatively, it's still doable where you could go, I'm going to go to Patek and then I'm going to AP. Because when we do buy watches, we are considering, we narrow it down to three watches or four, and they might be from different brands. And so you can find like, okay, yeah, in Hong Kong, everything's in walking distance. So you can do that. But that's not yep. always the case for most cities, right? Yep. But in, in Watchbox, you can actually, yeah, go. And if you have like some Jean's there, you know, I can enjoy those. But then I can just flip and go to a, an AP or a Rolex or a Patek or a, or even some independents like Lauren Ferrier or something, if you have that in the, in the back. And yeah. there, there's just so many, right, that um, you can talk about. And I think I personally think is like with the position you're in, when you're in a boutique, you realize that they've received their training for the boutique, yeah? But I'm not always sure that they really know watches. Like, they they know yeah. the market. Like, they would know, okay, if he's looking for that, he might be interested in that piece, right? Yeah. Because collect some collectors think the same, you know. Most collectors in their life will have thought Nautilus or Royal Oak. I mean, everybody knows that. I'm not saying, like, the, the, the watch sales people in brands, they don't know that because that's a very, very obvious example, right? Yeah. But... There, there are other situations where if you're really watches and in touch and you're feeling them every day across the brands, you have a knowledge that isn't so confined and niche to just your brand. And because you know also, because you're in contact with the market prices, you know what you could get for X amount of money, while a brand would never, even if they knew they wouldn't tell you, right? Yeah, and I think it's the, the idea of like no hassle and really just like all upside for the customer, which means one, you get to see the watches in the first place. Cause like in many cases, you won't even see the watch. So you won't even be able to mm. try it on. You won't even be able to make a decision. Number two, cause there's different brands. You might not have even thought about, I don't know, like maybe there's this Jorn Havana that looks, looks great, but oh my gosh, there's a Jorn, like a Holland's, mm -hmm. the Holland's version, mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, dial. Oh my gosh, it's even better. I like it even more kind of thing. Um, and being able to make that decision in real time is because the watches are there and you can actually make that decision. And then at the same time, I do believe like, I generally don't consider myself a pretty pretentious guy. Like I'm pretty mm -hmm. down to earth. So like if I walked into a place, you know, I would want someone to be able to, to treat me where, where like, I just feel like we're kind of on a level playing field or that I'm not like walking in and like encroaching on, on the space. And I've been to like AP house, <laughs> I'm sorry, I love AP, but like I definitely did not feel yeah. that way when I was there. It's like, I can I help you? I was like, yeah, I need to you know, fix this strategy. Like, I'm sorry, but we only do appointments. The next appointment is in two weeks. Would you like the appointment? I was like, yes, I would love the appointment. Like, okay, and then they, you know, it's just like, I, I, I don't know, like general feeling of like experience in these other places is pretty different. Than is that AP house in um, on the Hong Kong side or on the TST side? yeah like is it is it appointment only is it has it always been appointment only it has TST, right actually TST is if they invite you yeah i know tst yeah. is a bit like a weird one yeah but like even ap shops now are appointment only yeah that's right i had an appointment with uh a sales there when i when i was in hong kong like a month ago yeah i remember it it's was weird. but i think that was because of covid right yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was probably yeah. due to COVID. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to bash on it. Be like, of course, like you know, they have their certain level of, mm -hmm. of aura that they want to keep, mm -hmm. and it's great. But at the same time, I, what I appreciate about Watchbox is that 
it's just so much more approachable. I mean, if someone like me, because I just think mm-hmm. I find myself a very like goofy, yeah. a bit crazy guy. <laughs> if I can be in a place like that, talk about watching someone, mm-hmm. share that passion and have like no level of pretentiousness to it, but just be cool about it. But at the same time, still show you these amazing watches. And when you ask the price, yeah, it is, you know, it is really market pricing. We're not going to be like, well, you know, retail is this, but we, you know, we're not going to tell you what the price is like. Because no, we, that's our whole business is pre-owned is determined by kind of market pricing. So if you really want it, this is what you're going to pay. But ultimately it's going to be a very hassle-free experience. Mm -hmm. It's going to be 2 million Hong Kong dollars. But Mm -hmm. if you want it. Yeah, but I kind of, I like I like that. You're right. That openness and that frankness, because you don't, you find that the sales and brands, right. They have that awkward moment of, okay, yeah. Do you know what? I want to sell you the watch, but essentially I need you to bundle. I need to get this watch and I get, you need to get that watch. I need you to spend X amount of money, but they feel so mm-hmm. awkward, like bringing that topic exactly. up. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, it's clearly like that. And I'm not bringing it up. Right. <laughs> like sometimes, I mean, we do bring it up and say, okay, do you know what, what do we need to bundle? Right. I've, I've been to brands and I've said, what do I need to bundle? And they're like, no, um, we just want you to buy the watch that you want. I'm like, yeah, but the watch I want, you're not going to give me <laughs> like in my mind. Right. Like, just tell me, like, what can I bundle? Right. And it's like, but you would never like this watch and you never like that watch. And I'm like, are you telling me all the people that buy your watches like they all those VIPs that buy the watches, they love every single piece and they're not doing it so that they can get the piece they want. Are you really telling me that? you know? <laughs> yeah. A, I mean, it's all such a hassle, right? So I think that's what we pride ourselves in. It's like hassle-free. It's like, I hope it's a good experience, pretentious, pretentiousness-free. Mm-hmm. And just, just tell me what you want. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the price. If we have it, yeah. done. Like, and yeah. It, it yeah. really should be that simple when it comes to watches and getting to try them on. Obviously in the US, we do a lot of shipping because, you know, sometimes people, they're more used to that. But in Hong Kong, as you know, the culture is really to like, you know, in a, go to a place, see the watch, experience it, try it on. And people value that. And so that's why the boutique has been such an integral part, I think, of the success of Watchbox, at least in Hong Kong or in Asia. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the point is that we actually have the watch and you can try it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also you go there and you know, you can, your decision is very, so clear. And I keep harping back to this, but I just feel that maybe brands are maybe could improve on this where like you clearly know that the client doesn't need all that luxury feeling because at the end they just want the watch when i go into boutique i don't want that because I, I want the watch. if i if you put me through that and dine or like treat me to a coffee and spend time with me but in the end you don't give me the watch i'm like i feel i don't feel better because you did that I feel like, God, you know, like what an effort. And I didn't get the watch. Like what? That's how I feel. Yeah. I think at this point is just, um, I'm not even going to try and like whine about it. It's just like, okay, let's just go to watch. And when they say like, do you want a coffee? It's like, oh, right. That's at least half <laughs> no, an hour. I actually, no, I actually just say no, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? You don't, like, no you know water, that coffee's no coffee. coming in. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be half an hour. At least a bottle of yeah. water you could take with you, right? But... I feel bad if I leave the cup of coffee and it's like half drunk, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's move on to quick fire. So quick answers. All right. T- 10 questions. Okay, to tell the okay. time, handphone or mechanical watch? 
you know, it's weird because can I say both? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> yes, I am double wristing. Um, it's weird. I actually, I've really made it a point to check my, my mechanical watch these okay. days and I'm pretty good at it. I'm wearing it on the right wrist, mm -hmm. but at the same time, this might be sacrilege. I use my iPhone to, to set my mechanical watches. Oh, yeah. So I basically yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. you do that too. Okay. And here's a little mm -hmm. hint because like some people didn't realize this when you're on your iPhone, if you see the clock, the clock widget, the actual like uh -huh. image itself, yeah, yeah. it's an actual clock with the seconds. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I don't actually use the time here. I use the actual oh. clock and I match the actual <laughs> second to the, to the second of the, Virtual mm -hmm. clock on my. It's a lot of effort. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I'm weird yeah. like that. I'm weird like that. But okay. yeah, quick response would be mechanical. Yes, mechanical. Okay, working alone or working in a team. Oh, working in a team, like hands down. And having done the, the full time YouTuber mm. uh, game, I did it for well over a year from my previous role. Mm -hmm. It's fun. It's amazing to do work from home and that stuff. It can get lonely. It can get lonely when you're just like building, doing videos, creating content mm. and doing it by yourself. So I got to say the last six, seven months, uh, the time at Watchbox team has been amazing. Uh, I got to love the team. It's, it's awesome. Okay. Hey, favorite, <laughs> favorite watch brand. Favorite watch brand. I'm going to have to say Rolex for now. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because let's face it. It's the only one that I can legitimately like afford at this point. And mm. um, I'm sure I'll love Journey and Patek and all these wonderful brands. <laughs> hey, sorry, Journey. Journey. Uh, sorry, <laughs> right. That goes um, into so, the title. Yeah, Journey. I, I will appreciate all, <laughs> I will appreciate these brands in the future. But yeah, It's a great on. journey with Journey. <laughs> that's their next. <laughs> sorry, marketing, sorry, guys. Uh, that next, was bad. That that's, was their bad. Next, <laughs> that's their next tagline. There you go. Okay. Swatch or omega can i just say also no i don't have the moon swatch and yeah. every day that passes that i get declined an offer yeah. of three or four thousand hong kong dollars on carousel yeah. i hate it even more so i will say resoundingly omega moon okay. watch i have one for a bit i will have one against it so you know like what? i actually have yeah. a moon watch and i'm thinking i'd love to get the strap just to put on the moon watch right you mean so when people are like is that the moon swatch you'd be like Yes, yes, it is. It's a limited edition metallic <laughs> uh, stainless steel version. Like, oh my god! Favorite movie? That's such a troll. Favorite movie? Oh man, you know I got to put like these two way up there. Um, Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope is up there. I love Citizen Kane for some reason. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest movies of all time. I love that movie. But I would probably have to say Back to the Future is probably my favorite movie. <laughs> of all time it's just it's just i'm in that zone with that movie the trilogy the entire trilogy um back to the future okay 100%. dream this is a bit hard dream six watch collection if you could get these dream watches for free watch yeah for free okay here we go um let's go for the 116508 the yeah. jean mayer daytona i knew it yeah rail right daytona green dial Mm -hmm. Um, then let's go for the, um, 
One, two, the Green Dial Daytona, seven, isn't it? Green, yeah, Green Dial Daytona yeah. with a yellow gold is that yeah, one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Green Dial Daytona, the new Kermit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Whatever the sub. Um, let's go for the. Right, I love the variation here. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I really yeah. do love the gold, the new gold moonshine gold, Omega Speedmaster, mm-hmm. the one with okay. the green dial. Yeah. I would, I would go for that. Um. AP, I would have to go get an AP in there. Mm-hmm. I'd probably go for the. Let's just go fun. Let's go white dial, yeah. sixteen two hundred two. Do they have a white dial or is it silver dial? I forget. No. But just one of the new, no. one of the okay. new Jumbos, thirty nine okay. millimeter. Okay. Sure. Or and then let's let's put a Jorn in there because you know okay. watch box. I gotta yeah. represent. Um, let's get the. Let's get the Jade. Oh, come on. I'm trying to yeah. Which, like the dial. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. I think someone posted it recently. The, this jade on the dial. Yeah. It's the jade down. I mean, oh gosh, is it the centigraph? I'm going to shoot myself. It is. I think it's the centigraph. Anyways, jade dial. Um, oh no, tourbillon. It's a jade dial tourbillon genre, right? Okay. Sorry if I got that wrong. Uh, I'm probably not going to, I'm going to be fired for that <laughs> one. But that's <laughs> Anyways, um, one join in there. And last but not least, let's go for a G-Shock. Because you need a, you all, you know, every collection needs a beater watch. And mm-hmm. so I would want a Cassioc GA2100 mm-hmm. in green, electric green that doesn't okay. exist. Okay. I, I'm in two okay. minds whether to get the John Mayer G-Shock, the, the, the first one. Yeah, because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know, it just keeps coming back to me from time to time, and I just think, oh, right? I really like it. Yeah, and the 6900 Casio G Shock is it's just like iconic G Shock, mm-hmm. right? Along with the 5600, yep. the 5600 right now is being like demoted to be my shower watch because I take cold showers now <laughs> and I use it to time my cold showers, right? So I don't spend any longer than you know than I need, but then well, I think, yeah, do you know what, like, with the thing I'm thinking, would I wear it? So I'm in two minds. I might get it. I'll see. Like I'm in two minds. I, the last thing I want to do is get another watch and not wear it. So, but. No, go okay. for it, man. Famous person, dead or alive, you would love to meet. That is a tough one. Um, you know, since I've given the, the whole tech passion and everything, and I know he was a total jerk in life, yeah. but I would want to bring Steve Jobs back. Okay, and sure. go and have some sushi with Steve Jobs. That's what I would do. Okay, that's specific. <laughs> okay, I know that was a bit too yeah. specific, but yeah, we. Yeah. I, I'd take my bring my iPhone 2G, which I have somewhere there, the original mm-hmm. iPhone, and I'd meet Steve Jobs. Yeah. Okay. Last photo that you took with your iPhone or with any phone. Last photo that I took with my iPhone is is this. It is a I'm... Rolex. They just blue yeah. dial. Uh, one of the roles in Watchbox, you know, when we're mm-hmm. sending watches out, we have to inspect the watches, mm-hmm. make sure that they're they're uh, doing okay. And this is when I get to do my kind of fun trying on de- random yeah. different watches that I would never ever be able to use. This was one of them, but I've seen some pretty cool watches. Um, yeah, blue cool. Datejust, nice, nicely shot. Yeah. Okay, so first place you want to travel to after COVID, or when you can travel. Well, funny enough, we already booked our flights to Switzerland for my mm. sister's wedding. She's getting married in July. So that'll be the first place I actually will be going. Nice. Never been. 
mm-hmm. super excited, flying to Zurich and stuff. But if I had to go to one place like tomorrow, mm-hmm. I would go back to my home country, San Salvador, El Salvador, and I'd go see my parents again because okay. I haven't seen them in coming up to three years, which is pretty messed up. And yeah, I would go straight to El Salvador through LA, okay. pick up some In-N-Out Burger on the way. <laughs> Last thing you do before you sleep, uh, before bed. Last thing I do before bed. Recently, I've been really into this watch, the Tudor Pelagos FXD. Mm-hmm. And this this thing is seriously incredible. Like it's one of the one of the most comfortable watches I, I've ever owned. Um, I wear this to sleep. And so what I do before I go to bed every night, I take my little, where is it? I have it somewhere. I take my little flashlight and I loom up this watch <laughs> and I wear it to bed. That is so nerdy. That it's is so, so nerdy. nerdy, but I love how I cute that is. Like as as a girl, if a guy did that, like to, you know, you're dating this guy and a guy, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to put my Pelagos on and I need to shine the loom yeah. on it. Yeah. Would that be attractively geeky or would that be time for exit? No, yeah. I could like it's like that book I posted. The wife just cries herself to sleep. So she just <laughs> Oh man. Oh, that's embarrassing. All right. But that's I think all. there's a few yeah. things. Yeah, there's a yeah. few things before we finish off. I, yeah. um, I, I went to Hong Kong. Not many people know that. I went to Hong Kong around Chinese New Year, and I went there to see my father, you know, um, who I haven't seen for two years, right? And at the time, um, Hong Kong wasn't in the best situation. It was just on the peak before it actually just went bad. And, you know, Shanghai was very, very safe back then and uh they were saying like oh why are you going it's like don't go but then i'm in my mind i was thinking if i don't go i don't know when i will be able to go right mm-hmm. and it will be that be three years and you know you, your parents and the relationships with your parents you know as they get older they become more important and if yeah. you actually look back and you say you know what i didn't go because of covid i don't think that really stands up you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can't really totally. stand up. So, I think uh, if, for those people that have been thinking about it, I've done it. And by the way, I came back to Shanghai on twenty fourth of February, and I've been quarantining since. And now we're in what is it, the twelfth of April? So that's forty fifty days of quarantine, and I would still Jeez. do it if I, if I if I knew that going in, I would have still done it just to see my dad. Like, so that's another thing. That's one thing. And the second thing about my favorite movie that I wanted to get in, which was long. Have you seen Shawshank Redemption yet? No. Oh yeah. That's yeah. That's so, so ever, all the listeners, yeah. Just bombard yeah. her like DM and say, have you seen Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, yet? Can you make sure you see that? Because it is unacceptable. You should watch it. it is okay, unacceptable not okay, to have watched watch that movie. Yeah. And then yeah. my, my final thing that I want to end on is, sorry, it's a bit of a diatribe here, <laughs> but is you're from the tech background you're now into watches right yeah. you double wrist you have your iWatch on there right i've never been an iWatch guy ironically i'm wearing an iWatch now this is the first gen one right mm. i got given to it as yeah. a gift but do you see the popularity of the iWatch going up right more and more so because from my own experience and i'm only talking about myself i kind of mentioned it about social media how personally i'm pretty fatigued 
from it. So I'll only go on it if I'm looking for specifically for something and I know what I'm looking for, right? Mm-hmm. So I just want to see the pics of something that I may purchase later. And Apple has just released, well, not just released, they released that new update of their uh, iOS where actually no tracking and stuff like that, but also you've got more profiles to limit the distraction of how much your phone can be to you, right? Yep. So I'm not getting these, they're really on it with the notifications and shutting things and giving oh, yeah. you a summary of things like that. Yeah, but if you wear an iWatch, you can quickly glance without having that attachment to your phone, right? Yep. And still maintain what you're doing. And it's even less of a distraction, right? So do you see potentially, you know, I think Apple have done their homework, obviously listen to or know that consumer behavior is is changing. Question whether the, the phone itself is actually a good thing or a bad thing and probably made that decision. Otherwise, you know, because they've kind of screwed Facebook and all these other social yeah. media sites with that. So do you see the popularity of the iWatch potentially becoming more prominent? You know, what's amazing about the Apple Watch, right? <laughs> People call it iWatch, but yeah, Apple Watch um, is that this watch actually was, this kind of reignited me getting wearing watches again. Back in 2015, when it was launched, I was first at the Apple store that day, I'll never forget it. And I picked up a stainless steel with a sapphire crystal mm-hmm. version. And I've been wearing an Apple watch since then, mm-hmm. seven years now, crazy to believe. Um, I do think these things are becoming so ubiquitous now, not because of the, you know, of course the notifications and all that other stuff, but because of the wellness, mm-hmm. the closing your rings, the, mm-hmm. the fact that it's monitoring my heart rate, it'll eventually monitor like blood sugar for people with you mm-hmm. know diabetes, like all these different things. It is such an important tool that despite even getting into watches as much as I've gotten into them, I'm still wearing this on the other wrist. And I remember first day I walked in there, <laughs> Josh, I'm going to put him on the, on the, <laughs> gonna, uh, say what he said. He was like, you know, that's a fireable offense. For wearing this watch. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Cause it was like, how dare you wear this like sacrilegious thing. But the point is, it is such an important tool. And every year that it's just gotten more and more powerful, this has the same CPU capabilities of an iPhone 6 at this point in this tiny little thing. And I think what I really would love to see is for Apple to release a maybe smaller version of this, almost like mm-hmm. a fitness band mm-hmm. version. So then watch lovers out there, we don't have to feel weird about wearing a mm. uh, wearable. This is essentially yeah. a wearable on the other wrist. If they slimmed it down, I think that thing would be, it would sell like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. And for all the watch collectors, all the watch, you know, the actual mechanical watch mm-hmm. lovers out there, I think that would be an instant purchase, right? Lungan, would you mm-hmm. buy like yeah, definitely watch band yeah. like that would just look a, a bit less conspicuous, you know, mm-hmm. just a little bit more. Yeah. More accessorizable, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> exactly. Different bands, just slimmer. I think if they do that and they there is rumors that they may release something like that. They've had patents or like a Apple band, Apple kind of fitness band kind of thing that would sell like hotcakes. I would totally buy that. But for now, I tell you, I think Apple watch really did reignite interest in watches in general, again, to just like a regular consumer audience. And I think the watch collecting world really does have the Apple watch to thank for reigniting that interest. So okay. can yeah. I ask a follow on question actually now? Cause yeah. like, so this is the first one, right? And I want to get another one 
you know, I want to get a proper one. But yeah, like I so I've been looking at them and the um Apple Watch 5 came with a ceramic case. Like there's a white ceramic yeah. and a black ceramic. So yeah. I looked at that. And do you know the price of that? It's not cheap. Like mm-hmm. no, it's, it's not- actually quite high. Like it's like about like ten thousand. Yeah. yeah. Ten thousand Hong Kong dollars, right? But if you get the latest one, it's like like I don't know, three thousand, two, three thousand, you know, yeah. you can pick it up. Um what should I do? Because in tech, you're built to think I should get the latest one. But as a watch guy, sure. you think that's made out of ceramic. You know, it looks really cool. Great material. I would say with like tech, and I think this is really the the reality of tech, is that these things last forever. These things don't. And these things, like having the latest one is the best thing you can do to be able to get like the latest software updates, to be able to have like a fully functioning good battery just like just generally speaking um i would as much as i love ceramic i would save the ceramic for you know some some other watch yeah. or some other like piece of tech and i would just get the basic you don't need anything more the basic 41 or 45 millimeter apple mm-hmm. watch series 7 is the mm-hmm. current one just get the basic one on a on a, ru- a rubber strap yeah. like this yeah. that's all you need man that's all do you say, think do I... you ever think that the ceramic will ever go up because it's obviously 10k now oh you've got it you've got the ceramic i have the ceramic and then i also bought the this is so just the one before the newest one that's a six though yeah so so what i realized was i bought the ceramic to wear to work right um so it made a lot of sense but then afterwards i realized when you go running with it you're constantly being like okay i have to bring it into the shower to wash it so then i realized most of the time I'm using it for running now. So then I got the lightest one. I think this is titanium or whatever. It's uh, aluminum. Yeah, aluminum. So same thing, yep. rubber strap. And then I just use it for running. So you just have to think about like, what are you using it for? Yeah. I see a lot of girls in Hong Kong. Kind of, they, yeah. They were the expensive ones. Yeah, we kind of passed the point of like, we kind of passed the point too with Apple Watch. I think, you know, the first generation, they had even the gold one. Yeah, Remember the gold yeah, Apple Watch? Yeah. It was like, 150,000 Hong Kong dollars. It was like some crazy amount. Um, And they only did that for one year because in the end, people started realizing, you know, even getting the regular Apple Watch with the Sapphire Crystal, it's Mm -hmm. a nice to have. This is completely scratched up. But for working out, this entry-level version is the lightest version. Number two, because it's aluminum and because it's, you know, this construction, the vibrations on the standard entry-level Apple Watch they ring more, it vibrates better on your wrist Mm -hmm. than the stainless steel version. And ultimately it's the cheapest one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the ion glass gets scratched completely, completely scratched up, but because it's the lowest cost one, it also justifies being able to upgrade every single year easier. Do do you need to upgrade it every single year? I I mean, you can, I mean, I haven't upgraded mine in two years. I will probably upgrade to the series eight when it comes yeah. out in September, and that'll be the one to get for sure. Okay, so Lonlon, you you an advocate of like for the yeah. uh, Apple Watch I'll, to get I'll the latest buy, one yeah. every time, so it's just yeah, get but, the cheapest one for that year potentially. Yeah, because I really use it like every single day to work out. I shower with it. Yeah. I do everything with it. Yeah, I mean, I've yeah. been wearing it every day because I'm not like keeping track of my steps, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I wear it when I'm. I I generally don't like wearing anything on my wrist when I work out, but I've been mm-hmm. really okay wearing this. Mm-hmm. um so 
but I'm thinking of getting the latest one. Okay, that really clears it up for me. Yeah. yeah. All right. But I think so, that's still with Sapphire Glass, though. Yeah. You can go and bug Frankie about this. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, yeah, so all your watch-related or tech-related questions, <laughs> you know where to find me. Right? Maybe yeah. you don't, but... <laughs> If you're in Hong Kong, go and bug Frankie at Watchbox Hong Kong. <laughs> okay, so if you enjoyed that episode, um, please check out Frankie's YouTube channel, Frankie Tech and Frankie Watches. Yeah. And you can find the rest of us on the Waiting List Podcast on Instagram at the Waiting List Podcast. That's all for today. Thank you, Frankie. Bye. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to the Waiting List Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at the Waiting List Podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.